So today is Pentecost Sunday, where we remember that moment where the church uh, began. It's the birthday of the church, and, uh, and it's that opportunity where we kind of today, uh, on Pentecost Sunday, just to remember how the Spirit of God was poured out on the early church, equipping them and empowering them um, in the power of the Holy Spirit to go out and to tell people about Jesus, to be filled with the life of Jesus in, um, in themselves, the birthday of the church. Uh, you know, I, I um, was celebrating yesterday with, uh, with my parents and wider family as they, um, as they remember 50 years together um, as a married couple. Um, 50 years, golden wedding anniversary. And uh, you know what? I know, wonderful. Uh, we had champagne. And, uh, you know, it's just a bit almost like this moment here of, you know, like when you shake a bottle of champagne and you open it and it kind of spills out and overflows um, to, to, um, all around. That's kind of a bit like what's happening here with the spirit, the spirit fills these disciples and they overflow with the Holy Spirit and it, it pours out to, um, to those around them. It's an exciting uh, moment for the church, an intoxicating moment, you might say. And some people think it literally is an intoxicating moment. They misunderstand what's going on and say, surely these people are drunk. Um, but no, they're, they're full of the Holy Spirit full of the presence of Jesus, overflowing to those around them. So um, if you've got your Bibles, we're going to read um, that passage that we've just heard told to us so well um, by the Noyce uh, family. I'm just going to read a few of those verses there. And, uh, and if you've not got your Bibles, it's going to come up on the, uh, on the screen as well. Uh, so um, Acts chapter 2 and verse 1 says this. Uh, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. That's all the disciples together in one place. And suddenly a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came out to, the, um, to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And that goes on to say in verse 14, then Peter stood up with the 11, that's the 11 disciples, and raised his voice and addressed the crowd, fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people you see, they're not drunk like you might suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel who said, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I'll pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I'll show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. And the sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Peter goes on to, to preach to the crowds. And, and in verse 38, he replies to uh, the, the people and he says this, Repent and be baptised, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, 
for all whom the Lord our God will call. And with many other words, he warned them and pleaded with them. Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. And those who accepted his message were baptized. About 3,000 were added to their number that day. It's an incredible story. It's an incredible story of how the Holy Spirit is poured out on that early um, church. These people had waited for God. They gathered together. If you see that in verse 1, they gather together as God's people. I can imagine that they're praying, that they're seeking God, that they're, they're waiting for him and saying, God, where are you? What, what, you've, you've promised this Holy Spirit. What on earth does this look like? What's going to happen? And, and then the Holy Spirit comes. They are filled with the Spirit. And, you know, people didn't know how to explain what was, what was going on. And, and Peter stands up and he points to, to Joel in the Old Testament, that, that minor prophet in the Old Testament. And, and he says, you know, remember what he said, I will pour out my Spirit on all people. And from this moment on, you know, the story of Acts is a story of the spread of the gospel, the spread of the good news about Jesus. First, starting in Jerusalem and then going out to the known world at its time. You know, by, by the time you get to Acts chapter 8, you know, you see there with, um, with Stephen preaching the gospel and yet finding himself the first martyr of the faith, the, fir- the person he's, he's, first person he's kind of killed for his faith in Jesus. But then from there into Acts 8, you see the church filled with God's spirit as scattered throughout, the, um, throughout all Judea and Samaria. And, and then as we go through Acts to, to the ends of the earth, the gospel is still spreading even today from this first moment here where God's people are filled with the Spirit. And the gift of the Spirit is still available today for every believer, every believer to be overflowing with God's presence in their lives, overflowing with the life of Jesus inside them. He wants to drench us, a bit like when you, when you open that bottle of champagne and you get drenched. God wants to drench us in his Holy Spirit, to fill us, to overwhelm us. You know, um, on, the, um, on the Alpha Holy Spirit sessions, they use this, this example of like a sponge. You know, when you're um, washing your car and, and you get a bucket full of water and you've got this kind of bone dry sponge. You know, that can be a bit like us at times. We can get dry. We can get a bit kind of hard around the edges, just like that Your sponge can get a bit hard, can't it? And yet you plunge that sponge. You baptize, if you like, that's that that sponge into the water, into that bucket. And what you find is gradually that hardness becomes soft. The water begins to fill that sponge to the point at which you can kind of say, well, is the sponge in the water? Is the water in the sponge kind of thing, you know? And you lift the sponge out of the water and it's just pouring with water. Water just pours out of that sponge. And that's how we're meant to be full of the Holy Spirit, full of him, spilling out from us to others, bringing his peace, bringing his presence. And this is exactly what the the early disciples experienced, that it was the life of Jesus filling out of them to others.
So what does the Holy Spirit do amongst us? What is it that, you know, what is it about the Holy Spirit? How is it that we find um, the Holy Spirit filling us? And what happens when we do so? You know, earlier on, we sung that wonderful song about reminding us that, that actually there's that spirit of sonship that the Holy Spirit brings in our lives. When the Holy Spirit fills us, it helps us to know that we are sons and daughters of God. It fills us with that deep inner knowledge that we are his children. You know, the Holy Spirit at times can also, when it fills our, our lives, show us where, where we're not living right, where the, there's things in our lives that need to change because it's not uh, um, in a way that's in concordance with God. You know, the Holy Spirit, when it fills us, gives us that same boldness to share our faith with others that those early disciples found. You know, Peter, someone who not long before had been denying Jesus, denying being his friend, finds himself with the boldness to stand up in front of lots of people and to talk about Jesus and the difference that he makes. That same spirit can fill us with that kind of boldness. You know, when we need help to connect with God, you, know, you might find at times you just don't know how to pray. You don't know how to connect with God. The spirit, when we ask him to fill us, helps us to know how to pray, how to connect with God. You know, if you want to be encouraged in your faith, the Spirit brings God's presence to encourage us and to help us uh, know uh, the certainty of our faith. If you want to know what it is for, for the Bible to, to come alive, to, to feel fresh every day, to, to, to have that sense in which the, the words jump off their page, the Spirit helps us to understand all that God has freely given us and unpacks for us, helps us to get hold of what the, what the Spirit is saying through God's word. If you want Scripture to come alive, then the Holy Spirit is the thing that makes the difference. It can give us a renewed sense of fruitfulness and energy, a passion for God, a desire to pray, a desire to read our Bibles and to see what God is doing um, uh, amongst us and around us. It gives us eyes to see. I could keep going on. The Spirit does a lot. We need the Spirit. And there's these, um, these words from John Stott. If you could put the words on the screen there, he says this. He says, without the Holy Spirit, John Stott, wonderful guy, died a few years back, but he, uh, he's a really, really great commentator um, on the Bible. And he says this, without the Holy Spirit, Christian discipleship would be inconceivable, even impossible. There can be no life without the life giver. No understanding without the spirit of truth. No fellowship without the unity of the spirit. No Christ-likeness of character apart from his fruit. And no effective witness without his power. As a body without breath is a corpse, so the church without the spirit is dead. What we see there is the spirit is the thing that brings life into us all. It can give us that boldness for witness. It can give us that life inside of us. It's been so encouraging recently to, to hear just of, of how, um, how well the, the most recent Alpha has gone, an Alpha that we ran online. 
And uh, who would have thought that running an alpha course online, a, a course that's so, so good at connecting people with one another, can work so well um, over Zoom? You know, in many ways, it's been the best course we, we've ever run. You know, we've had you know, members of the, the course kind of come along and, and, and to our in-person events and just finding that changing their lives. But that's also happened on Zoom. You know, as part of that course, you know, we had people praying for one another to be filled with the Spirit. And we found that the Spirit doesn't get confused by doing things online. You know, we had people responding to, to words of knowledge for them on the course. People responding to, um, to asking to be healed in their lives. And the Holy Spirit in his power coming and bringing healing. You know, we, we pray for people on the course just to, to kind of understand the Bible and, and gave people Bibles. And we found that what people, people said was, yeah, I love reading the Bible. I can't put it down. All those things that we see that the Spirit does at work in our lives. And the last thing I just want to say on all that is this, that the Holy Spirit does those wonderful things. But if you're after a, a comfortable life, the Holy Spirit is, uh, is one that brings comfort, but he doesn't help us to be comfortable in our lives. Because actually what we see here with these, this early church is that their lives are profoundly disrupted in lots of good ways, but their lives are profoundly disrupted by the coming of the Spirit. You know, Peter and the other disciples, their lives are never the same again. Lives full of adventure, but also lives full of um, uncertainty, of not knowing what's going to come next, of not knowing what God's going to do amongst them next. And when we ask for God's spirit, we should be willing to embrace some of that disruption for ourselves. You know, the, the former Pope, Pope John Paul II, says this. He says, the spirit is always awesome whenever he intervenes. He arouses astonishing new events. He radically changes people and history. What was true then is true today. The spirit, when he fills our lives, brings change, helps us to be and to look more like Jesus. And yet, you know, Paul, when he's writing to um, the church in Ephesus, a book called Ephesians, he says this to that church. He says this, he says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, just for each of us, if you, if you follow Jesus, you have the Spirit inside of you. And yet Paul says to that church, be filled with the Spirit. What on earth is he talking about? You know, Nicky Gumbel from that Alpha course uses that, this analogy a bit like this. You remember those um, the old um, uh, pilot lights that you get on gas boilers? You don't really get them on the, the modern combi boilers, do you? But you get a gas, um, a gas light a, a, um, on a pilot light on a boiler. And he says, you know, it's the same for, for all of us, all of us who follows a Jesus. You know, we've got the spirit inside of us. But, but actually, there, there's a choice with that to, to choose to, if you like, just have the pilot light on and to have things kind of burning away. Or there's the, the choice to kind of dial it up, to invite the spirit to fill us, to drench us, to overflow from us. It's a bit like kind of turning up the gas 
And as, as the gas comes through, you know, we're really kind of cooking on gas, as it were. Things really start to happen. And when Paul's writing to the church in Ephesians, he says this. He says, be filled with the Spirit. Be continually filled. Keep on asking. Keep on asking for more of the Spirit in your life. More of that opportunity to overflow with him. And so today, I, I want us all to step up and to say, hmm, I know I've got the spirit in my life, but I want more of you, Jesus. I want more of your life. I want more of you in my life. And so we're going to do that together um, today. We're going to ask for God's spirit to come. What better way today to celebrate the birth of the church, this birthday for the church, than to ask to be filled afresh with his spirit today. And so we're going to do that. I just want to show you as I close one image from um, kind of a famous fresco, actually. Um, It's called The Creation of Adam. You may well have seen this one. It's a rather famous um, image. Uh, Michelangelo up on the Sistine Chapel. Um, And, uh, you know, when uh, Michelangelo... um, uh, drew this this fresco you know there's there's lots of different ways of uh, interpreting this many many different ways in fact having a look at wikipedia at least uh, but one one way of interpreting uh, this uh, this fresco is this one theory for what it means is this that actually if you look at that image there god on the um, right hand side of the image there is is kind of fully outstretched if you kind of zoom in um, to, to the image there into the hands, you can see there that kind of God on the right-hand side is kind of fully outstretched to Adam. And, uh, and what is happening here is God is breathing life into Adam, God's spirit filling Adam. God's hand is fully outstretched. He's making every effort to reach out to Adam, to breathe his life into him. Adam's hand, on the other hand, is um, a bit limp, He's, he's not kind of really stretching out to reach God, but, but Adam is, has a slightly looser-looking arm. He's a bit more relaxed. And, you know, the message here is clear. All humanity has to do, all we need to do is to, to reach out our hands to God. He is ready and waiting. He's fully outstretched. He wants to meet us. He wants today to Fill us with his spirit. All we need to do is reach out to him, to ask him to fill us.